Hi, I'm Roger Blackmore. I'm the lead pastor at Genesis Church on Long Island in New York. Thanks for downloading our podcast. I hope it's a blessing to you. If you want to learn a bit more about our church, then check out our website, genesisli.com. And of course, if you live within traveling distance of us, we'd love to see you in person on Sunday morning, worshiping with us. So here's today's message. Enjoy. Amen. So I was going to do something totally different through the month of August when it comes to teaching. I was going to follow a pattern we've taken the last two years, which is I do a series called The Vault. And what The Vault really is, um, I think it was one of my offspring who renamed it for me as Roger's Old Sermons. Uh, and, and the whole idea is, you know what, I've been preaching for 50 years now, and there are, there's some, I preached some good stuff years ago, and I knew none of you even. So it was like, you know, in August, we've revisited some of that stuff. So we're not doing Roger's old sermons this August. <laughs> I want to talk about finding joy. Finding joy. So much fear, apprehension, tension, hostility, animosity, anger in our country right now, that in the middle of it all, you know what? Maybe we need to just pause and think this isn't the way Jesus wanted it to be. When I was a, when I was a teenager, one of the things I, I was blessed with was I was part of a, a really great youth group in the church that I was part of. And one of the things we did every year that I personally enjoyed was we got together with youth groups from other churches, and we had a Bible knowledge competition. And I liked that because, you see, in many ways, I'm the most easygoing person you'll ever meet, but I do like to win. And so, what they used to do was this. I remember one year, they told us that the Bible knowledge competition was going to be about the book of Nehemiah. I was a teenager. I didn't even know how to spell it. So I find the book of Nehemiah in the Bible. And remember, we, you know, back in, back in the day, we had the King James Version, which was totally incomprehensible to start with. So, so I read through the book of Nehemiah over and over and over and over again. And then came the day of the competition. Each group had a pair of teenagers representing me. My friend Tom Perrier, who'd been my friend right through, was right through our school years. He's the best man at our wedding. Me and Tom are there, and we are geared up. We know the book of Nehemiah inside out. And I just want to tell you this. We won. We won. But 55 or 56 years later, if you said to me, so quote me some verses from the book of Nehemiah. There's only one that I can really kind of recall and that comes readily to mind. But to my, to, to my, you know, the way I look at it, it's the only one that really matters. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. The joy of the… It's not 8, 10. It's 6, 8, Roger. Nehemiah chapter 6 and verse 8 that says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Our strength comes from God-given joy. And where the God-given joy is missing, we are going to feel drained, pressured, 
stressed, anxious. But the joy of the Lord is the secret of our strength. The night before Jesus was crucified, he met with his disciples, and one of the many things he said to them is this, in John chapter 15 and verse 11. He said, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Now, Jesus didn't say, I'm going to give you some happy thoughts. He didn't say that. He said, here's what I want for you. I want my joy to be in you, and I want your joy to be complete. That's what Jesus wants for you and me today. Over in the book of Romans, chapter 15 and verse 13, the apostle Paul is praying for those that he has written this letter to. And his prayer is this, may the God of hope, look at the next phrase, fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So his prayer is this, that God would fill them with all joy. That's what God wants for you and me. Now, not just for our sakes, though. I want you to notice the second part of this verse. So that you may overflow with hope. Now, my goal this morning is not that you end this service happier. Now, I hope you do, but I'm not trying to give you happy thoughts and to make you feel good. You know what? I just want to kind of reconnect you with major sources of joy, not just for your sake, so that you may overflow with hope because it's never just about you and me. It's not about us. It's about people around us who desperately need to have God-given hope. And when joy so fills us that it overflows from us, then it impacts other people. When I was, uh, when I was in the hospital last year and had heart surgery, they, um, I tell you this, I was in Stony Brook Hospital for quite a while. I ate good. So every day, you know, a guy came in the room with the menu, said, hey, want to check off what you want? And it's like, this is good. I don't get this at home. I may get in trouble for that one. Anyway, so, so, so I'm looking through the menu, you know. So, so for the first couple of days, my breakfast was pretty standard. I went with some oatmeal, and I went with an omelet with cheese. And the omelet came with Swiss cheese, which is okay, but it's not my favorite. And after three days, I was feeling sufficiently recovered that I was going to stick up for myself. And when the guy came, I said, can you do me a favor? You know, can you give me cheese with a bit more flavor? Can you give me like American cheese or cheddar cheese in my omelet? And he said, "Uh, Roger, Swiss cheese is the cheese that is lowest in sodium. You're going to have to get used to having as little salt in your life as possible. They shouldn't tell you things like that when you're really sick and like struggling just to get going again, because that could push your way back. And it was like, really? And he said, did you notice there's no salt on your breakfast tray? I said, yeah, I noticed that. But, but he said, would you like Mrs. Dash? I said, I'm married.
And so over the last year, I've got acquainted with, with all the Mrs. Dashes. Did you know there are a lot of them? Okay, so there are a lot of Mrs. Dashes. So there's, this one's really hot. She's, she's extra spicy, Mrs. Dash. Then there's, this one's falling out all over the place. There's lemon pepper, Mrs. Dash. I got chicken, Mrs. Dash, for grilling. How about this? I've got onion, you folks say herb, there's an H, it's herb. Onion herb, Mrs. Dash, it's our language. And then I've got Caribbean citrus, Mrs. Dash. Wonderful. But you know what they're not? They're not salt, whichever way you try to say it. They're not salt. And you know what? It's like, thanks very much, Mrs. Dash, but I really, you know, I really don't, you know, you don't cut it. I mean, you know, nothing personal, but you don't cut it. Don't get anxious. I don't use salt, okay? I'm just trying to make a point here. You know the point I'm really trying to make? It's this. You know, I'm talking about joy overflowing to other people. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. And we live with people all around us whose hopes have been dashed. Their lives have been really seriously messed up and interrupted, especially in the last five months. And you know what? Some of them are really struggling. Some of them are depressed. Some of them are very worried. Some of them have no idea where life's going. Some have lost basically their livelihoods and have lost everything. And you know what they really want? Those people really want the real thing. You know what the real thing is? It's the joy that only God can give. Where do they get it from? It's got to overflow from you and me. This isn't just about us. It's about how God wants to use us. God wants us to be so full of joy that that joy overflows and that it touches others. So I want to highlight for you this morning three pillars of joy. Somebody said to me the other day, I love, I love Genesis Church because your sermons are so simple. <laughs> yep, that's me. There is no point in making preaching complicated. Isn't it meant to be understood? So here's, here's what I want to do today. I want to, I want to just lay out to you three pillars of joy as the starting point. And as we go through this, this series, I'm going to talk about digging wells of joy, how we can find it. I'm going to talk about how we've got to get rid of the joy suckers in our lives. But today I want to just establish there are three pillars of joy, especially for those who know Christ. And it starts with this. Number one the first pillar of joy. So, the first pillar of joy, I'm going to start to introduce this way. In Luke's gospel, Jesus sent out 70 of his disciples, 72. And in, in verse 17 of Luke 10, it says, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. They've been sent out by Jesus to share the good news, and they came back with joy. Let me just say this. You will always find joy when you're serving Jesus. 
You will not necessarily find joy huddled in a corner in your own room thinking life sucks. But you will find joy in serving Jesus. Our food pantry on a Thursday morning has been serving more people than ever lately. And actually, we've been, we are now part of a lunch program that Long Island Care sponsors for children that need school lunches but can't get them during the summer break. And uh, actually, every Thursday, I think this week, we, were, we supplied school lunches for two days, two different lunches for 150 children. And uh, we've been able to bless a lot of families through our food pantry. Early Thursday morning, we got an email. And this email came from a lady who had been to our website, and it hit the button which says, I said yes, which means she had given her life to Jesus. And here's what she put in the comments. She said, I love your pantry, and when church reopens, I'm going to start to come. Do you think our pantry volunteers this past Thursday served God joyfully? They really did, because you will always find joy in serving Jesus. Jesus sent these 72 out, and He told them to go different places, and He said, wherever you're welcome, just settle there for a while. And He said, heal their sick. Their starting points were this, number one, Build a relationship with people. He said, folks don't want to hang out with you. Just move to the next place. Number one was build a relationship with people. And number two was see if you can help them. I wish people had taught me Jesus' way of reaching other people much earlier in my life. I thought the way to reach people was to hit them hard with the Bible to warn them that hell is the only thing that's waiting for them. But that's not Jesus' way. Jesus' way was get connected with people. See if you can help them in any way. Hey, he told them, he told them, he said, you go in there and you heal their sick. You may say, well, I'm not really too good at that stuff, Rog. Well, I want to tell you this. How about just being there for someone, with someone? How about speaking kind words to someone that just remind them that they matter to you and that they matter to God, and there's hope for them. So they went out and they preached, and apparently they healed a lot of people, but the one thing that that really seemed to excite them above everything else is here in verse 17, it, it says, they returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. They thought that was kind of the highest level of stuff. There were demonized people around her, and, 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 and they had prayed for these people, and they had delivered these people. And it was like, that was, hey, Lord, you know, we, we, we did some pretty good stuff with demons. And actually, that's the point Jesus told them, you know what? Watch, it, watch out you don't become too proud and too arrogant. And then He made a statement that for them and for you and I, is the first pillar of our joy. Verse 20, however, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. There is the first pillar of our joy. 
We rejoice that our names are written in heaven. And sometimes we can get so bogged down with where life's at today, what's happening right now, that we totally lose sight of the reality of this. I have got a tremendous cause to celebrate because my name is written in heaven. So James Simpson was the British scientist who was credited amongst a lot of other discoveries with discovering chloroform. Somebody asked Simpson, they said, what do you regard as your greatest discovery? And here's his reply. He said, my greatest discovery was that Jesus Christ is my Savior. I love that. What's the greatest thing that you can have in life? What's the thing that should bring us most joy? Most, the thing that brings us most joy is for everyone who belongs to Christ. The Bible talks about our name being written in the book of life that is in heaven. There's a great source of joy. Philippians 4 verse 3, Paul is talking about some of his helpers. He says, they've contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. We were visiting our son in Texas a few months ago, and we were ready to uh, come home, and the flight was boarding. And as the flight was boarding, uh, there was a family of five that came up to the gate. Um, and as they came up to the gate, they were talking to the guy at the gate, and uh, I was kind of listening because I was ready to board and wanted to get on, and it's like they were delaying me. Um, so I'm listening in on the conversation, and for some reason, they hadn't got their boarding passes. Don't ask me. And the guy at the gate is going through, and he says, give me your names. Da, 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 da. He said, I've got four of you on the flight. And they said, no, no, there's five. We booked five. There's a mistake. He said, I'm sorry, there's only four. And, and that kind of get, he's making phone calls then. And then he comes back to them. He said, look, look, the fifth person is not here. Now, eventually, after a long time, they actually resolved that situation. His name wasn't on the list. The greatest source of my joy today is this. My name is written in heaven. And if you're a child of God, God, don't lose sight of the greatest joy and that reality. Revelation chapter 21, verse 27 says this about heaven. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, get this, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Whereas John put it in his epistle, he who has the Son as life. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven. Listen, always find joy in the fundamentals, the most important things. The first pillar is this, your name is written in heaven. And let's have a look at pillar number two. Pillar number two. I was filling out a form the other day. I, I gone to the dentist, and I hadn't been to this particular, whatever he was, or, or well, he was a clever dentist. Um, and so I hadn't been to his office before, so I had to fill in a whole bunch of paperwork. You know the deal. He said, uh, you need to fill this in first. There's just six pages. 
I filled in less forms to become an American citizen. So I'm working through those, and then it comes to marital status, and I put an X in the box that says married. And as I'm doing it, I'm thinking, there's so much more to it than an X in the box, <laughs> right? Married, yeah. No, 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 no. Marriage is far more than that. You know, marriage is living with a terrific person for, for 50 plus years of my life. Marriage is, is, is all the good things that we enjoy together. Marriage is a relationship which is so good and so special and so wonderful. And it's like, you know, marriage has been having children and marriage has been in it. It's like, married. I say that to say this. You know, some people get the idea Christian means Okay, check the box that you subscribe to this set of beliefs. The fact I'm a Christian doesn't just mean, yep, Christian, that's what I believe. No, no, Christian actually isn't just about what I believe. It's what comes out of what I believe. And what comes out of what I believe is a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that I have enjoyed now for 57 years. Eight. That's right. You try doing math when you're just standing talking at the same time. 58 years. It's a relationship I've enjoyed for 58 years, and Jesus and I, <laughs> Lord, we've had some adventures, and we've been through some stuff, and things have got tense between us at times. I don't think that was on his side. That was on my side, because he wasn't doing what I thought he ought to do. But it's about a relationship. So, you know what? Well, number one, I rejoice that my name is written in heaven. Here's the second pillar of joy. Philippians 3 verse 1. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I just want you to notice that phrase. Rejoice in the Lord. I rejoice. My name is written up there in heaven, but I rejoice in my relationship with the Lord. Jesus and me, we're connected. Jesus and me. We're together. The gospel came, first of all, to a, a Jewish kind of setting, of course. And uh, the early church, essentially, when it started, was made up of Jewish people. And even amongst the new believers, there was the thought as the gospel started to go to people who were not Jewish people that these people needed to accept some of their traditions. And part of the tradition and ritual of the Jewish faith was, was, was of circumcision, which was a uniquely Jewish thing at that time. And there were people in, in the early church who said that if Gentile people become believers, they should become circumcised. Imagine putting that in your new believers package. Next steps, get circumcised. Yeah, okay. Next step, let's check out another religion. And Paul, Paul, over and over again in his epistles, is trying to correct this because it was filtering in from all over the place. Listen, there are always people who will try to put their own restrictions and rules on you as a child of God. And Jesus came to set us free from rules and restrictions, not to imprison us again. 
And in Philippians 3 and verse 3, he says this, for we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoicing Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. He said, if you want something that identifies us as people of God, here's what it is. We worship God in the Spirit. We rejoice in Christ Jesus, and we're not looking to anything we do to make us favorable to God. We rejoice in Christ Jesus. I, I couldn't help have a flashback when I was just looking at this verse, um, preparing for today. And remember, Steve, Steve, our worship director, does a phenomenal job. And one thing, though, I'm always watching on in, in songs, that the wording needs to be relevant and understandable. We used to sing a song back in the 70s that went like this. We are the circumcision. We worship God in the Spirit. No, you've got to see that through the eyes of people who don't do church, who come to church, and they're there, and the band starts. We are the circumcision. We worship God in the Spirit. Whoa! Yeah, okay, well, maybe the Catholic Church is pretty cool after all. It's like, right, it's weird. Anyway, sorry, that's a scar. I'm sorry, I just took you where my mind went, and it's like, thank God we become more aware of uh, the people who don't understand the deep theology of what we're saying or singing, and so we keep it in a line that's understandable. We rejoice in Christ Jesus. What's the second pillar of joy? We rejoice in Christ in Christ. Everything I need, everything I'll ever want is in Christ. First Corinthians chapter 2 and verse, verses uh, 1 and 2. You'll remember, friends, that when I first came to you to let you in on God's masterstroke, I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches and the latest philosophy. I deliberately kept it plain and simple. First, Jesus and who He is, then Jesus and what He did, Jesus crucified. It's all about Jesus. Everything we need is in Jesus. And when Christ died for us, our salvation was complete. I love that. Our salvation was complete. Galatians six fourteen. for my part, I'm going to boast about nothing but the cross of our Master, Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, I have been crucified in relation to the world, set free from the stifling atmosphere of pleasing others and of fitting in to the little patterns that they dictate. Or as an old hymn puts it, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. I rejoice that my name is written in heaven, and I rejoice in the relationship with Jesus, which is so full and so complete, because Christ paid for my salvation totally. And the third pillar of lasting joy is this. Pillar number three, 
You'll find the words at the end of verse 2 in, in Romans 5. Romans 5 verses 1 and 2. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. A couple of years ago, I wrote, read a really good book called The Happiness Factor. And one of the statements there was one of the things that affects our joy um, is, and can help us is having something good to look forward to. I was in that position in February of this year. February of this year, I'm, I'm putzing about on, on, on my computer and I'm looking at Caribbean vacations for August. And I'm looking around and I find a place that looks really good and uh, I decide I'll call a travel agent that, that we know who often watches us on Sunday mornings and just, just check in and say, hey, uh, can you get a better deal than what I'm looking at? And she came back to me with a different resort, a, 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 an almost new resort that was absolutely fantastic. It had a whole, it had 12 different restaurants, one of which was Indian. I love Indian food. That was the only restaurant I'd need all week. And I was so happy. I sent a deposit and I got the confirmation. And February, that most awful of months, that grimmest of months, darkest of months, coldest of months, nastiest of months. Some of you in other states have got no idea of the hardships we face living in New York. February stinks. But in February now, I was looking forward to August. And in two weeks' time, I'm going to the Caribbean. No, I'm not. Oh, that's right. It was canceled. Yeah. But anyway, you know, that kept me going for a good few months, you know, looking forward to what's ahead. But here's the truth. You, you know what? Very often, you know, we can be kind of, we, we can be encouraged and we can be happy and we can find joy in things we're looking forward to only for them not to happen. So let me just remind you that one of the pillars of the joy of the believer is something we can look forward to that really will happen. We rejoice, says Paul to the Romans, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. I rejoice in this fact that one day I will see God in all his glory. I rejoice in the fact that heaven is mine, that eternal life is mine, because my name has been written in the Lamb's book of life, and the Christ who received me as his child wrote my name in his eternal book, with whom I have a relationship through the course of this earthly journey, is the same Jesus who will receive me one day into heaven itself. One of the early church believers was faced great opposition as he preached about the faith. His name was Stephen. And in Acts chapter 7, verse 54, as he was talking to a group, it says this, at that point they went wild, a riding mob of catcalls and whistles and invective. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, hardly noticed. He only had eyes for God, whom he saw in all his glory with Jesus standing at his side. He said, oh, I see heaven wide open and the Son of Man standing 
at God's side. And when life is attacking you, and when things sound hostile, and when danger seems imminent, what a wonderful thing to be able to look forward, say, I've got hope in the glory of God. I see Jesus. I see Jesus. I love the way the message paraphrases uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 17. It says this, these hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times. The lavish celebration prepared for us, there's far more here than meets the eye. The things we now, we see now are here today, gone tomorrow, but the things we can't see will last forever. The things we can't see, but they're there, and they'll last forever. My name is there. Finding joy. Where do you find joy? Here are three fundamental pillars. I rejoice my name is written in heaven. I rejoice in Christ Jesus. I rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Don't let the tensions, don't let the opinions that float around so freely whether we want them or not, about life here and now, about what might happen today or tomorrow in this life. Don't let them drag you down. Focus today in a fresh way on the foundations of joy that belong to the child of God. Let's pray together. As we come to pray, I appreciate the fact that there might be some of you who do not yet know the Lord. And you can say, well, Roger, I'm, I'm not sure about this whole thing, about my name written in heaven, relationship with Jesus, or the glory of God. As I said earlier, the Apostle John put things really simple. He said this, he said, he who has the Son has life. He who has the Son has life. John 1.12, to those who received Jesus, He gave the right to become a child of God. And if you have never yet received Christ as your Savior, today is a good day to start to tap into Him and to the joy He gives. And I want to encourage you right now, just open your heart to Jesus. Say, Lord, please come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. You could do it by praying this simple prayer along with me. Lord Jesus, I need you. I want to really know you. Please come into my life, into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Jesus, forgive me for all my past. Please make me your child today and write my name in the book of life. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen.